0: It's good to see you, good to have all of you, good to have uh, those of you joining us online and uh want to do something a little bit different this morning. Uh, uh, before we start our next series here is just have a morning that just kind of uh brings us back, re-anchors us back to our mission statement. And of course, this past August, if you recall, um, we relaunched our mission. We put some fresh language uh, to it that just captured better the journey that God has had us on and just made it a little bit more relevant. And uh and I, I just and I love what God has done with it. And of course, uh what we launched for our mission is loving people into the acceptance and freedom of Jesus Christ. And I love the simplicity of it. and I love the practicality of it, and I, and I hope that you get part of that out of it uh, here this morning. Um, and I love that even if you don't remember the sentence itself, right, there's like these three words that we talked about that go with this mission, that if you can just even remember those, it does something for you, right? And it's accepted, loved, and free. And there's something powerful uh, about that, very powerful, in fact, I've heard from lots of you. And uh, I saw a lot Lots of you wearing your T-shirt uh, this morning, just so you know, I'm actually wearing mine right now. But because I grew up in Arizona, I get cold really easy. And so it's like three layers down. I promise you, I have like a long sleeve thermal under this shirt, you know, so there's this shirt, that shirt. And then I have uh, my missional shirt. I'm not trying to cover it up. I'm just trying to stay warm, okay? That's all that's going on. Um, but uh, I've loved, I've, it's having a greater impact in a very practical way than what I would have ever guessed last August. And it's because, of the, it's because of what you all are doing with it and how you're living this out, the environment and community that you're creating uh, with this. And I say this and know this because I'm hearing from you, uh, emails and stories and letters and cards. I received uh, one letter from someone who uh, I uh, just recently found out is one of our volunteers in our guest, guest services area. Um, but he is, I believe he's a first responder. And he talked about being in this meeting of other first responders um And I think they were first responders from like all over the country maybe or or the region. And he sent me this card uh, or this letter because he had this great moment where they were coming together in this meeting and he was just wearing his t-shirt. And he wrote this uh, as he walked into this meeting with uh, some of his teammates there. He says, as I walked in, one of my teammates eyes lit up and he uncontrollably yelled out above the the hum of the idle talk. I love your shirt, he says. He just, this guy just yelled it out. And he goes on and, and he literally says, and this was profound. And he explained why, that because of what this guy had gone through and just struggled through, that, that there, was, there was something so powerful and self-evident about just reading this. And he said, even uh, the director of that particular meeting and the exercise they were going through or whatever actually used it Uh, in this moment because he saw what was happening and he said they got through this whole thing and so much of this was talked about in this that he said to this guy who um, I I don't think he lives in Arizona, but he told him, he said, if you're ever in Tucson, you're invited to come to my church. And he said that when he invited him and said, like you would be welcome at at my church, he said, this guy actually started to weep. And, and it's because that it wasn't just an invitation. It came with this notion, this declarative thing about accepted, loved, and free that got talked out in a way that, that when that invitation came, it landed with something really powerful. And y'all have been sharing these stories with me and they are powerful, something unique Has started to occur around here and is continuing in a beautiful way, and and you know, and when I read some of these letters, there's, it's, there's a couple of things that have hit me. Um, One of them is this: there is just the declarative statement of accepted, loved, and free carries a kind of self-evident goodness. Just, just. Dating that has this kind of self-evident goodness to it. Um, It's interesting. uh, I was wearing my t-shirt without three other shirts over the top of it one time uh, here actually recently. And I was running some errands and I uh, went by Trader Joe's, got some stuff and I'm checking out uh, in the line. And you know, Trader Joe's maybe is one of the last grocery stores that I know of that still has like actual humans, like when you, you check out. And I'm checking out, and I didn't notice it at first, but he got slower and slower as he's going through all my stuff. You know, they just like, T-t-t-t-t-t-t. he's like, and then he kept looking at me in a strange way. And he'd go back checking, and then he'd look at me again. And, and then he said this to me He looked at me and he goes, For you? And I didn't understand what he meant at first. And he pointed to my shirt. He goes, For you? And I realized, Oh, I, I and it was just like, you could tell, keep in thinking through this, this whole time and getting slower and slower and the lines backing up. And you could tell he's like, so like, is this something that you're declaring about you or like, what is it? And I said, well, and and as I'm trying to answer these questions, I'm like, okay, don't go into pastor mode, right? We don't, because, you know, you get into that thing and the conversation goes a whole different direction and everything. So I'm just like, I'm like, well, yeah, for me, but also like, for just human beings, people you know, need this. And it's just this, and he's like, oh. And then he asked me a few other questions. And then, I don't know, he had like a, like a box of cereal or something and just rested on it. And it's just like, and now and you see the people behind me are just like, what are they, doing? you know? And, and then he asked me, um, where did you get that T-shirt? And I was real careful there, right? And I go, well. My, my church made him, And now the conversation took a whole new turn because this puzzled him. I, it was it, just the expression on his face. And he's like, you could tell it's just like, this is not computing. And then he started telling me childhood stories. Um, I know. And he's just like, you know, I grew up, I, and he had like seven or eight brothers and sisters, bunch of brothers and sisters. And he went to church a lot. That was a part of his family. Um, and he said, "You know, it's my mom that raised us. And she took us to church, and she loves church. My brothers and sisters, they don't want to have anything to do with church anymore. And, I, and really, me neither. I like it's not my thing. I don't do that anymore. Because you know, I'll take my mom just because I know, like, it's 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 how I it's a way for me to be nice to her. And so I take her. But like, and then he asked me another question about. And you could just tell it's just like I've got all of this experience about church." And I'm looking at your T-shirt that came from a church and these are not connecting in this moment, see? And it was interesting to just uh, watch him go through that, that like he didn't experience church as something that was self-evidently good, maybe right. I think, I know he would have said that. Like, oh yeah, they've got, they've got good answers, right answers. But goodness, ah, because for a lot of the world, those aren't the same thing. See for him, the good news, well, like he didn't, he never experienced good news that was for him. And here's the irony of this, and here's the problem that I want us to think about and wrestle with, right? Here's here's the irony of this. you know, when we talk about the gospel as a church, right? Our job, we're purveyors of the gospel. We're proclaimers of the gospel. Part of the role of the church, in fact, one of the most important roles of the church is, is right, is to bring the gospel into the world. And you know, here's the irony. The word gospel itself is actually in English. The word gospel is just a transliteration of the Greek word uh, eugelion. Um, Uh, in Greek, and you know what it literally means? If we were to translate that word literally, it just means good news or news that's good. Either way you can take it. It's just news that is good. And that's kind of an irony, isn't it? Because there are so many people in our world, they don't connect that. You know, you look at the, the New Testament and there's this striking thing. When Jesus comes into this world, right, at his birth, and of course the gospel message began like millennia before Christ, Jesus becomes the culmination of it, the good news. Jesus, like, he is, he is the result of the good news. He is the good news. He is, this is God come into this world to save, redeem us, to love. I mean, all of these amazing things. And when he comes into this world, right, there's this, Beautiful moment where there are these, right? The shepherds and uh, this angel comes and tells them about this and what is happening to tell them about the good news. And here's how he unpacks this. I love what the shepherd says. And you can read this uh, on your own in Luke, but he says this, says, the angel tells these shepherds, I bring you good news, right? Uh, That's the word gospel. It can be translated into English as gospel or good news. But, I, but here's the thing. What I love is it's like this angel's like, uh, but I don't want you to miss the effect that this should have on people, right? Just like, this is not just a tagline. This is not a title good news. This is news that's good. And so the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. Yeah, this, it's not, this is not like good news that's like cough syrup, right? Good news. Hey, you've got a cough and you're going to hate the way this tastes, but it's good for you, right? This is not what this is like. This is good news that brings joy. It makes you happy. It puts a smile on your face. You feel good about it. And this angel, what I love here is, and it's not just, I want to make sure you know, this is good news. I want you to know how it affects uh, people, like what it should feel like and who this is, for and he goes on and he says that will be for all people and and here it is the gospel the gospel is good news that feels like good news for anyone who wants it and there's like this self-evident goodness to it but that's not what the guy at Trader Joe's experienced like that. It, like it landed in it. It's like bad news repackaged as good news or something. Right. And some of you have experienced this. Maybe you've experienced it personally. Maybe you grew up someplace and you know, every time the gospel was talked about, it was just filled with a lot of doctrine and technical terms and theology and obligations and just like, okay, it just, I hadn't, you gotta memorize this and you better believe this in this way. Um, For some of you, right, the gospel came, uh, it was a little strong-armed, right? It came with a lot of shame or it came with a lot of guilt. It came like, because this is what'll motivate you to do the thing you ought to do, right? And so it's like, well, you know, you need to know just how bad you are, right? Sometimes you've, you've felt that from the gospel. It comes with like all this fear. Like, you know, you know, theologically, do you understand that before you were even born, you were condemned? Like you were a filthy, dirty, rotten scoundrel of a sinner and Jesus saved you, is, uh, is it feeling better now that you know how bad you were kind of a thing? And it's just like, eh, okay, I better do this. And you know, that's a little bit like good news. Like, like when you go grocery shopping and you go down the meat aisle and there's like some hamburger and it's like, like right on the edge of being expired. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's kind of a different color than the rest of the hamburger, but good news, it has a sticker on it. It's discounted, yeah, right? And it's kind of like, and you've experienced that. And it's like that guy at Trader Joe's, he believed in God. And I think probably a Christian, but like, hmm, I've done the church thing. It doesn't bring me joy. It just feels like something that's necessary, not something that's earth shattering and wonderful and glorious to me. And friends, I just think this is a problem. In a world where there are so many people in our culture, and you like, you know this, that are feeling disillusioned about spiritual things, so many people pushing back on church or walking away from it, right? When the good news has lost that sense that it's good, that's a problem in this. And that's why our mission is so important because at the core of our mission is the belief and the idea that good, the good news of Jesus is good news of great joy for anyone who wants it right? And that that makes it easy. And if somehow the way we are landing good news is it feels like bad news repackaged as good news, then we need to rethink this, not push harder on what we're doing. And this morning, what I want to do, I want to walk through just a few things because there's this beautiful thing that we see in Jesus. The way Jesus advanced the gospel in his ministry it landed as really good news to the people who were there and experienced it. And in a particular way, we didn't just, we didn't just pull this idea of accepted love and free uh, out of a hat. Jesus models it for us. And I want you to see this. Uh, and so I'm going to walk through these. I'm going to spend a little bit more time with the first one. And the first one, there's this moment where Jesus goes to a little bit of uh, village called Nine. And as he goes there, he probably had taught or read scripture in a synagogue that day. And then the tradition would be that uh, if there was like an itinerant rabbi, which is what Jesus was, he traveled, he was a rabbi that traveled a lot and would teach uh, all over the place. Um, And when rabbis would do this in a synagogue that had traveled and taught there, they, the tradition was they would go back to like this, to the home of the synagogue leader and they would have a meal there and around this meal, they would have this, they would carry on the spiritual discussion and that's what we're going to see in this story. And everyone was invited to come and they could listen uh, to this and they would oftentimes sit around uh, a a table and their tables were real low because they would like sit on the ground and they would share this meal. And that's what happens in this moment. Only in this story, something in particular happens. Because uh, one, Simon is the owner of the house, probably the synagogue leader. Um, he's, He's got his, he's got some struggles with Jesus and Jesus's theology, but this all turns when there's this particular person, a woman shows up who probably didn't normally show up to meetings like this, but there was something about Jesus that drew her to that place. And we pick up this story. It's found in Luke chapter seven. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, I invite you to do that. Luke chapter seven, verse uh, 38. So, Uh, I want you to picture that table and Jesus would sit down on the floor and probably Simon right across from him on the other side. And there would be some other religious leaders uh, from the synagogue uh, there, maybe a few of the disciples and, and there they are. And then in, in verse 38, we see when this woman shows up and it says this, um, as she stood behind him. So she kind of uh, makes her way in and we know that she's comes and she stands right behind Jesus. So picture Jesus sitting like right there. And then this woman stands behind him. Um, As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, right? Picture this moment. There's something going on with this woman. And all of a sudden she begins weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. And this is Jesus's feet. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. This is becoming a spectacle, right? You gotta like picture what's happening in this moment. Picture Simon, right? He's a proper kind of guy. This is not what he wanted to have happen in his house. And this is all beginning to unfold. And what I want you to see is there is this contrast between these two spiritual leaders, between Simon and Jesus. And they've both got news. They've both got things that they wanna share. And I want you to see the difference between these two. And we start with Simon. Look at verse 39. He said to himself, right? um, This woman walks in and he doesn't speak to her because he's not gonna give her the time of day because this woman, she walks in and she walks in with a label. We know from the passage, it says, she was a sinner, probably a prostitute." Um, and she walks in, and Simon says to himself, because she's right, she's the other uh, in this. And then he goes on and begins to speak about Jesus. If this man, Jesus, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. Oh, man, do you hear the, the condemnation? And what kind of woman she is. What kind of rabbi would ever let a sinner this person anywhere close to him in this way? You get the picture? See what's happening? But then the story turns. And I want you to, you've got to picture this. And, and this is why I asked him to bring this table up. So um, At this table, as they would come and sit down at it, right? The way they did this is because they they didn't want their feet next to the food. They would always tuck their feet behind them like this. And usually they had a pillow and they would lean up against this pillow and they would recline at the table uh, like this with their feet behind them. That's why anytime in the New Testament where it talks about, and they reclined at a table, this is probably the posture they're taking because they're gonna eat in this moment and they keep their feet behind them. So earlier, right, when it said the woman was, so here's Jesus and the woman's behind him and she's crying. This is why her tears can land on his feet, because he would have had his feet tucked behind him like this, right? So you got to picture this. And here's Simon, and here's Jesus, and they're having this conversation. It's they're having this conversation about spiritual things, and the Torah. This woman just, she just begins weeping. And then she she, right, she had to go down to her hands and knees because it says that she started cleaning his feet with her hair. Imagine this, right? Now watch and contrast what Jesus does because this is stunning to me, right? So here, here's what happened, right? They're, they're talking, they're having their conversation and now drop down to verse 44. Look at this. Speaking of Jesus, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, don't miss this. He turns towards the woman, which means he had to turn all the way around and he's speaking to Simon and he's just put his back to Simon. And now he's looking and he's down for, he's now looking at this woman eye to eye like talk about drama in this moment right? And there's all of these people in this room from the village, right? This is before Netflix. This is before there was TV and entertainment. This had to like, this like, be, I bet people are just like, go get so-and-so and tell them to get in here. This is crazy. I mean, they had to talk about this for months after this happened, right? Here's this woman, a sinner. And now this rabbi turns around and I love this. As he's looking at this woman, he's speaking to Simon. Look at what he says to Simon. I love this. Second half of verse 44. Do you see this woman? Hey, Simon, I know I'm not looking at you, but do you see this woman? The woman I just turned around and I'm looking in her eyes. Because the truth is, Simon, you don't see her. What you see is a label. What you see is someone that you think is that you're way better than what you see as a sinner. what you see is something that you want to stay away from. What you see is something that makes you feel better about your spiritual life. But you know what? I see Simon? I look into her eyes and I see. God reflected back to me. I see someone created in the image of God. I see someone and I see her gifts and her talent. I see what she was created for. I see the beauty in her. I see a human being. This is a moment, isn't it? I mean, think about what's going on in this. Think about how she must have experienced this moment, see? And then he goes on and he gives us these details that just begin to flesh this out. He goes on, and again, he's talking to Simon. He says, I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Simon, Simon, Simon. As, she's, as he's looking at this woman and saying these things, and it's just like with every statement that he acknowledges of what she has done, it's like he's saying, I noticed what you did. I see you. I notice you. I see the goodness and the beauty in you in this moment. And it's just like dignity is just flooding into her soul in this moment, right? If you want to understand how the gospel lands with a sense of acceptance, just read this story. And then if you think, We've just, we've peaked the drama of this story. We have not. Because what Jesus says next in this moment is just flabbergasting. It's just like, who who says this? No one should say this. Is this really true? But Jesus said it. And so we're like, okay, we got to deal with it because Jesus says this. And this had to be stunning to everyone in this. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 47. Therefore, and he's talking to Simon. Hey, Simon, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. What? Oh, wait a minute. That, you know, theologically, do you understand? Like there's gotta be a prayer involved in this thing and there's gotta be an acknowledgement of your sin. And there's some other steps here and we don't even have a track out right now. And it's just like, you don't get to just declare someone doesn't have sin either for, or that it's forgiven. This is, this is like, this is, all she's been doing is like, you know, washing your feet. This is, a, this is it's like, Jesus is like, no, Simon, her, I love her. I forgive her sins. Someday I'm gonna die on a cross. And if it was only for her, I'd do it for her. She means that much to me. Think of what that room is thinking in that moment. And then I love what he does next. Then he says to Simon, oh, I'm sorry. He said that to Simon, but I love what he does next. Look at it. He now speaks directly to her. Look at verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, right? I die. You need to know this. Your sins are forgiven. Right? And you know what doesn't happen in the story? Jesus doesn't then go, okay. So now let me explain why this is good. Like see there's this theology about what sin does and I just forgave you of your sins and you know and I and I just No Jesus doesn't have to say, so it's time to be happy right? Jesus doesn't say, this is time to feel great joy. No, you know why? Because if you're this woman, it's self-evident. This is good news. Guess what? It feels really good because this is accepted. It's just what it is. This is the nature of the gospel. The nature of the gospel is that there is a God who loves you so much. He came into this world. And if it meant dying for you, which he did, to forgive you of his sins, he's happy to do it because he accepts you the way you are. See, this is good news that feels good, friends. So when we talk about, let's be a church that, that models Jesus, then it means being a church that says acceptance means you have a place with us wherever you are in your spirit you don't even have to believe what we believe if you want to come and you want to listen you want to be a part of there's a place for you in this and i love this this is a gospel that is not like bad news repackaged as good news that woman experienced the gospel as the best news she had ever heard in her life. And you know, the same is true when it comes to loved and freed. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these two, but I just, I want you to see even just briefly here from scripture, how when people encountered Jesus, when he was, when he was living out the gospel and pulling people towards him. They just, they experienced love and they experienced freedom. Um, You know, the apostle John, who wrote the gospel of John, he wrote uh, many, many parts of the New Testament. He did this odd thing every once in a while. and, and, And many of the writers of the New Testament would refer to themselves in the third person at times. And John does that. Like you're telling a story and you're in the story. And so you just refer to yourself in the third person. Only John oftentimes will refer to himself in the third person as... And I love this, as the one that Jesus loved, right? Just so just, you know, just, you know, that guy there, um, he's the one that Jesus loved. An example of this is out of uh, John 13, his gospel. Um, he says this, um, and one of them, and he's speaking of himself in the third person, and one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, comma, was reclining next to him right? Just like, you know, they were sitting at a table just like this, and he could have just said, and the one reclining next to Jesus, and on with the story, said he says, the one reclining next to Jesus, you know, the one that Jesus loved, and he does this five times uh, in his gospel, and, uh, you know, I've kidded uh, John about this at different times. It's just like, kind of arrogant, like, you know, I, you know, uh, you know, is he saying this, like, I'm loved more than all the other apostles. I'm loved more than all of you. I mean, Jesus loves you, but I'm the one he really loves, right? Um, I don't think that's what John was doing at all. Remember, John writes his gospel decades after Christ has died, risen from the dead, and ascended into heaven. John has had decades to live in a relationship with Christ spiritually inside of him, right? He got to be with Jesus in his ministry, and now as an apostle and leader in the church, he has been living with Christ I think what John is doing is simply reflecting how he has experienced Christ in his life, shaping his identity. I think John is just going, you know how I see myself now? The more I have related with Jesus all these years, I'm a loved one. I'm the one loved by Jesus. And I think he's doing more than just reflecting on himself there. I think he's being a leader that is modeling something for you and me. I think he is modeling something for you and me about how God's love can actually come to shape our very identity. I think what John would want is for us to put our faith in Christ, knowing that as we do and we live that out, you know what we will experience? I'm I'm, I'm the loved one. I'm the loved one. Because that's just how you experience it, right? That, that John's kind of saying, it's a normal thing. Like, but that's hard sometimes. Let, let, me, let me give you an exercise. Here's an exercise. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to someone next to you, right? Even better if it's a stranger, okay? And here's what I want you to say to them, right? Maybe you do it on people on both sides of it. I'm do it. I want you to say to that person next to you, I'm the loved one of God. Say it now. Go to the person and say, tell them. I'm the loved one of God. Okay. Feel a little awkward? (laughs) Yeah, it does. It's just like, (sighs) well, see, we can all do a little work, can't we? Right? We're not where John is, but that's why this mission is so important. It's why this mission is critical. Because the more we understand the gospel, the more we understand the heart of Jesus, the more it moves us to that experience and the more that becomes our identity. You know what? No one comes to the place of experiencing their identity as the loved one of God and goes, well, someone explain to me why this is good. No, because it's self-evident in this. And you know, when we talk about freedom, You know, and this is one that gets missed uh, oftentimes, but you know, when we talk about freedom, it's interesting, uh, like there's a moment when Jesus uh, talks about this and uh, he says, he makes this uh, declarative uh, statement where he says, so if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Um, And other uh, uh, New Testament writers will go to unpack this concept of freedom. But what's interesting is Jesus doesn't spend a lot of time unpacking the concept of being free in him. But he illustrates it. And he illustrates it by just being Jesus. Jesus. And we see it in the reaction of people. Time and time again, there is this strange reaction that you see with people as they encounter Jesus that would have been far different if they would have had a similar interaction uh, with another religious leader or another rabbi or another religious leader of a different religion altogether, right? You have a moment where Jesus heals someone or he tells them something and they come to them and they're like, yes, I believe this, I'll follow you. And you know what Jesus doesn't do in that moment? Okay, I've got the... The pamphlet here. Let me walk you through all the rigors of what this means. Now that you're going to follow me, let me overlay all the things that you might, and like, I'm going to ratchet this down. And here's, here's the rules. Here's all the things you have to do, right? That would have been normal. And you know what Jesus does? It's like, he's just like, you're excited, and people are just like, ah, I've been healed, I've been accepted, I've just, and so often you see this picture where they go running off. They just, they run off. One time Jesus even tells that this happens a couple times. He does this with a Greek guy. He says, "Okay, just like, don't tell anyone." Like right? the guy goes, "Okay," ah, and then he goes off and tells a whole bunch of people. He's just like, he's taking his freedom a little too far, right? It's just you know, it's just. But here's the reaction, right? They just feel this kind of freedom. And I think part of this goes that what Jesus understood was. When he is, what he is doing in their lives is setting them free. And what Jesus saw were people that were in bondage to something. They were in bondage to religion, even if they weren't a part of religion, even if they were the atheist, you're still in bondage to something, something that has its claws in you. Like, what does it mean to be a good enough person? What does it mean to live the good life? What does it mean to please God? All of these things. And for Jesus, it's like, you know, I'm, you need to experience all of that coming off so that you can just know me, what I have for you, who I created you to be. And there's this sense of freedom that people experience, that they experience is good because they've been pinned down by something. And Jesus' job, he didn't come into this world to start another religion or pin people down with something different. He said, I came to set you free. And if I set you free, you are free indeed. And again, friends, this is why this mission is so important. Because too often, the gospel gets framed out, talked about, presented and put on people as something that pins them down or makes them feel guilty or makes them feel like they should know more than they didn't they know. Instead of just being, hey, that's really good. I like that. I want more of that. And so I just, as we think about this, I wanna close out with this. I just, I wanna make a challenge to all of us uh, here because it, it, this is important. Um, and first, I wanna say something to all of you that are maybe here this morning and you're like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a believer yet, right? I'm checking this out. I'm skeptical or like, we'll see. Um, and also I wanna say something here to all of you that maybe, maybe you're like the guy at Trader Joe's and it's like, I know the gospel but it's always landed as something not for me or not good. Or maybe you've become disillusioned. Maybe something happened at the church you were a part of and it just, it left you with all this residue and it just like sucked the beauty and the life of what you once had out of your relationship with God. Here's what I wanna, here's my application out of this morning for you. Just take this in. Just come back next Sunday and just let what this community is doing just wash over you and see what it does. Let it prove itself to you. Because I think that if you just take one little step, if you just let it come in, I think what you will experience is something that will become good and better and better and better, and it will pull you to a place that you want to go. That's what we want for you. Just take it in. Let God walk you into a journey toward him in this. Now, I want to say this to all of you who are saying, I'm I'm like, I love this vision. I'm like, I'm all about this. And you're just like, I just like wrap this sucker up so I can go out and have some conversations. And like, I want to live this out, right? Here's what I want to say to all of you, right? Um, Jump in jump in with like both feet, take a big jump, take a a jump and a leap and a hop, skip and a jump if you want. Like just like, what I want to say is don't hold back. And the reason I say that is because um I I believe something is happening here with this church that right now at this point in history, in this larger community that we live in, that you as a church are a very unique expression of that I don't see a lot of out there. And it is an expression of the good news that is good that lands in a good way and we need more of it and so i'm going to ask you here's what i want to ask you to do in by jumping i'm going to i'm going to drill it down in a more practical way and i want to say this in a really plain and practical way jump in with your time your dollars and your influence let me say that again jump in with your time, your dollars and your influence. And I say, and if you're here and you're like a little skeptical or whatever, not for you. You just take this in. But if you believe in this, if you look at this and you think, man, what Jesus did there I wanna say, let's do the same thing, only in whatever modern relative way or relevant way that that can be done, like then jump in, jump in with your time, right? The thing that makes all of this work is because because people like you are volunteering. You're like, you're running a small group. You're teaching somewhere. Like you, we have people volunteering, like with our kids and our student ministry, um, with the welcome uh, ministry, like people that got here really, really early. All of that makes this happen. We need that. Let's be a community and giving of your time to this, something that is so good, that feels good, like, like, Don't hold back from that. Um, Jump in with your dollars. And here's why I say this is because to do this, to be the church, like it has to be resourced. I, I think about the trip we just took to Mexico. We took our youth down there and like going, I like just, getting to be down there and watching our students and watching our volunteers. Like there is something so beautiful about what happened. Watching high schoolers give up a school vacation to work really hard, right? Work that they don't wanna do in their own backyard. They will go and sacrifice for people that they never knew. It's beautiful. And this year, right? Last year we were a part of building four homes. This year, we were a part of building five homes. And you know why? Because you all resourced it. You resourced it. And if, and if you believe in this, if you're someone who said, I am in on this, this, I wouldn't wanna do church any other way, then invest your dollars where you have invested your life. Leverage that. And lastly, your influence. And I say this because you have influence that I don't have. You have influence that some of you over here don't have. We all have these pockets of influence. It's with, right? Someone can watch me get passionate and teach on something or do whatever. And they're like, yeah, he's, he's like paid. to. He's like a professional guy to do that. That's, just, that's what he's supposed to do, right? But you tell them. They experience a little bit of acceptance from you. And it's different because you have influence with them. Speak to them about it. Wherever you have influence, use it, right? I wanna ask you the question, like who is, like all of us, all of us have our moments where we're the ones sitting at a table. Who is the person behind you? You have influence to spin around and look them in the eye And be something good and beautiful that fills them with dignity or hope. And when you you do that, I promise you, you're just moving them closer and closer to the person of Jesus Christ. That's what you're doing. And when we jump in, with all that we have in this, something gorgeous happens. And I gotta say, um, Ryan asked me before the service, he's like, how long have you been on staff here? And I was saying, I, I don't know, like 20, 20 years maybe or something like that. And he's like, and then we got to talking about it. I'm like, oh, "No, I came in 95. And he's like, oh, so you've been here like almost 28 years. I'm like, oh, man, I'm getting old. Um, but in um, all those years, 30, probably 34 years of doing ministry. I've never experienced what I'm experiencing right now with a community that is um, manifesting a kind of acceptance and love and freedom that is so palatable that it is drawing people in in ways that I've never seen before in 34 years of ministry. And all I wanna do is say, let's keep it going. Keep it going. Jump in with both feet because here's, It is so nice to not try and be in the business of repackaging something that you think, oh, they're gonna think this is bad news. So I gotta figure out how to package this as good news. This is easy, right? Be what Christ has been for you and Christ will use you to draw them to him. That is our mission. I want us, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come and close us out here this morning with a song that just reminds us of what we have experienced and what we hold in Jesus. And as you sing these words, as you think about this, let it be the thing that connects you back to the moment where maybe you were the one that was standing behind someone. And as they spun around, they gave you a picture of Jesus. It made you weep at the love that he had for you.